Hey, what's up, friend? Thanks for pressing play on this episode of the Jock and Nerd podcast. And it's a good one. We've got an international podcast crossover as Scott Meridu and David Malofsky from Podcapers, the official podcast of A Place to Hang Your Cape, join us for the show all the way from the UK. We start out with some jock news. Anthony actually contributes and breaks down the upcoming Mayweather versus McGregor super fight. We share our memories of the late Adam West and chat about Wonder Woman, Justice League, Black Panther, the Spider-Man video game, and War for the Planet of the Apes. Plus, David gives us a quick spoiler review of The Mummy, and we take a look at Universal's Dark Universe. Can it work? Plus, the story of pot capers and a whole bunch more geeky goodness, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Sunday, June 18th, 2017. Check. Check one. All right. This is really fans out there. What's up, listener? Welcome back. Welcome to the Jock and Nerd podcast. Jock and Nerd. Your weekly geek fest covering comic book and superhero related news, reviews, and interviews. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. Welcome back, Anthony. You woke. You know, last episode I told people I forgot where you were, but yeah, you I, had no I, idea what was going on. No, I remembered you told me, but I just clearly just shoved it out of my brain. Uh, Spring Awakening EDM. The jock is a woke EDM jock now. I'm alive and I, and I feel ready for the summer now. That's good. The summer can't continue. Joining us on this show, listener, two very exciting guests, friends of the show. Uh, the first guy you'll know if you are a loyal listener to the show, you may know him as the man who hates DC Comics. Oh, shit. <laughs> he is also the host of Podcapers, the official podcast of A Place to Hang Your Cape. It's Scott Meridu. What's up, Scotty? Not much except for podcasting, podcasting, and more podcasting. I have the bug. Yes, you get you get obsessed like me. Once you start, you, it's like a potato chip. You can't have just one. Uh, also joining us is the guy that gave him the bug that spread his podcast herpes around. Uh, editor and cape of the aforementioned A Place to Hang Your Cape. It's David Malofsky. What's up, D? Hi, guys. How's it going? <laughs> Very good. Thanks. Uh, this is an uh, internet. He said that just like what Rugs would say, but that's not how Rugs would say it. No, no. Let's get let's get a good Rugs. Yeah, let's get a Rugs. What's up, dudes? Uh, okay. Wowie, zowie. You should never do that again. <laughs> no, okay. No, you know, some people, Donald Howard does it good. Some people have it. Some people don't. Uh, it's I okay. It Donald Duck. I, I think he broke his mic wait, with him doing that. <laughs> Oh boy, oh, I will. Uh, that's fine. Look, good effort. But now <laughs> we can start. Uh, you know, we're just who cares? A jock said that the rugs is not here, but but he is Fuck always him. here. Uh, for uh, if you're a new listener, here's we're gonna get in this show. We're gonna do a bunch of comic book and superhero related geek news. We actually have some jock news, bro. Do you even podcast? Which is uh, surprising, and it's always exciting to me because I learn stuff. And then we're gonna talk about podcapers and uh, some other things. So as always. 
always, you can follow along in the show notes, jockanerd.com slash 172. And this is also part one of an international podcast crossover event. Just like an international uh, incident, I would say this is almost like an international mm. incident. Yeah. No, this is like uh, it's like Secret Wars or uh, like Multiversity or uh, it's a it's a big event. I like to think of it as the Marvel and DC crossover. Ah, it's the amalgam of podcasts. Yeah. So we're doing this show, and then we're going to turn around and we're going to record an episode of Podcaper. So if you haven't checked out that show, there's the way in. We'll get you in ass first into Podcapers, and you can check it out. Enema is the quickest way to the bloodstream. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why they uh, the the beer chugs work for the fret kids these days, right? They're right up. You're uh, drunk instantly. Right up the poop hole. Yeah. Uh, oh, geez, we're uh, all gonna learn something. <laughs> <laughs> there, we've already learned how to get drunk really fast. You know what? Let's get to the news, you bastards. <laughs> the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Listener, if you want to contact us and ask us. What else we do with our butthole? Just visit jockinner.com slash contact for all the various means. Our Twitter, our Facebook page, a lovely Facebook group where we all hang out, uh, speak pipe email, all that fun stuff. Get in touch. Get involved. Anthony, we're going to start with some jock news, right? You, uh, you're very, this is a, There's some sort of super fight, the biggest fight ever, the biggest pay-per-view, and it's not Superman versus Spider-Man, although oh I'd, like to, I'd like to see that. It's Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. Yeah, do you even know who any of those guys are, Imran? I know one guy is a boxer, and one guy is an MMA guy. Scott and David, are you guys combat uh, sports fans at all? Well, that depends. Do these combat sport guys play golf? <laughs> I don't think they do. Well, <laughs> I don't know golfers either, so I don't know why I mentioned that. I don't know <laughs> sport. What do you want from me? Okay. Uh, nice. David, <laughs> I, I get most of my fight news from him, Tony. So, you right know, on. I, I've been following Conor McGregor for for a little while now. So he's my he's my pick on this one. All right. Well, oh. Anthony, uh, break this down. What? Oh, when that's a terrible pick. Did you? <laughs> okay, this is what I want to get into. Was this was this like in the works for a while, or is this like a surprise thing? No, this isn't a surprise thing. This has been hinted at for uh, at least a year and a half. I think maybe even two years. Conor McGregor put this out there a while back, and everyone's like, ha, that'll never happen. And he's been winning fights and bringing his name up to the point where it's like, all right, maybe. And now it is happening. And it is a super fight in the sense that it's a top MMA guy or UFC guy, if you're not familiar with MMA, crossing over to a different sport, which is boxing and fighting best box one of the best boxers of all time so that is a crazy. super fight in yeah in that sense it's not a it's not a legitimate fight though really it's so, gonna be a boxing match it's a it's boxing a, match so okay. who who uh, the, who put this together dana white was this or was it like two uh, both that's sides? part of the reason that not a lot of people thought this could happen is like dana white ufc have a contract with mcgregor so they've never really allowed their fighters to cross over into boxing yeah so they had to negotiate that. Then you had to negotiate with Floyd Mayweather, who um, is pretty difficult to negotiate with. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a lot of things holding this back, but they, they got it done. A lot of people were uh, wanting to see this. Why? I don't know, but they are looking to see this. So it's this sort crazy. of like Spider-Man going from Sony to the MCU. A little bit. Yeah. A little good. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> and then like, kind of like America. that. I made a connection. 
Good analogy. This is going to be August 26th in Las Vegas, and Mayweather's coming out of retirement for this? Yes, he is coming out of retirement for this. Holy crap. So all I know from doing a little research is uh, Connor's never boxed before, like in an actual boxing match, right? Yes, he's never fought in a boxing match before. This is correct. Mayweather is 49-0. and Mayweather is (laughs) maybe one of the top five best boxers ever. Okay, so so many questions. Like uh, for both of them, why would Mayweather put his fucking perfect record on the line, and why is McGregor just jumping into a sport he has no business in? Maybe. Okay, I'll answer that two different. Okay, I'll answer for each person. Mayweather looks at Conor McGregor and goes, "This guy's gonna make me close to two hundred million dollars." Oh shit! And he has never boxed in his entire life. This is yeah. going to be the easiest payday I've ever had in my I life. I'll beat this fuck. Okay. It's going to be Fair easy. Enough. It's it's the easy for McGregor. It is. I've never made more than four or five million in a single fight. I'm going to make close to a hundred million in one oh, fight. Shit. Yes, I'm doing this. I don't give a fuck if I get my ass killed. I'm making a hundred million and I'm retiring. Wow. I so mean, it's it's a, it's, it's so a complete money. Saying, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all so for well. the money. It's all the money. All about there, the money. There's nothing. I mean, McGregor might. Have like this weird like, because he's just an athlete and he's super competitive. He might have this thing where he's like, if I I can beat Mayweather, like he might think that he yeah. probably does think that he's delusional, but he probably does think that he could beat Mayweather. And if he did, it'd be it honestly be the the biggest upset of on all in all of sport. Holy crap! If he beat Mayweather, but he's not going to beat Mayweather because Mayweather is the greatest boxer of one of the greatest boxers of our generation, and Conor McGregor has never boxed in his entire life. So that's it's a- <laughs> interesting. It's interesting because I saw a lot of people like Daniel Oscar on the Facebook page and, and Paul Chomo. I think everyone was like, I hope McGregor wins. But to me, I'm like, uh, I want this old fuck to put this young guy down. who's all cocky. He thinks he can fucking come into somebody else's fucking backyard and take him down. So even though Mayweather's what, 40? 40. Yeah. Jesus. He's been retired for two years. That holds McGregor. 28. This is this is all the things that people are going to say yeah. to, to like hype you up to be like, oh, he actually has a chance. McGregor Mayweather struggles against southpaws. McGregor's a southpaw. Mayweather's been retired for two years. He's forty years old. McGregor or Mayweather, sorry, McGregor's twenty eight. He's younger. He has this. He has this one shot KO power. It's all bullshit. The, the guy, <laughs> the McGregor, is not going to beat. This is. I've made this comparison a few times. This is like taking a marathon runner and being like, all right, one night you're going to place Usain Bolt in the hundred meter dash. <laughs> oh shit! You're going to beat him. No, it's not happening. No. It's running. It's like, this is fighting. It's, it is fighting in the, in the overall like umbrella of sport. Yeah. But it's not the same. This That's isn't an interesting, the same at all. That's an interesting analogy. Cause if you actually take a photo of a marathon runner and put it next to a photo of a sprinter, they are opposite body types. You'll and we, we have see the seen difference. this already on the opposite end. Oh, so, James Tony is a legendary boxer. Okay. Yeah. He decided to fight in UFC against Randy Couture. Randy Couture is a legendary UFC fighter. That fight was so uncompetitive, it was a joke. Mm. Randy Couture <laughs> destroyed James Tony in an MMA fight. Just like what's going to happen on the flip side. So this is just a big cash grab. Is yeah, this good? It, is it is it good for the for combat sports in general? Is this a good thing? Is it a good thing? Yeah, I mean, any attention is, I guess, good. There is like a a, a freak. A, they call this in Japan, or and Dana White usually calls this a freak show factor, where it's just like curiosity. Yeah, and I mean, in that case, yeah, it's good. I mean, these guys are both going to get paid. 
There's going to be a ton of attention. Is it actually like a competitive thing? No. If you think this is competitive, you're either... There's four things. You've misread too many clickbait articles. <laughs> you're a huge, like, just you're a big Irish fan that loves Conor McGregor and is delusional. Or you're just an absolute idiot. Like, there's nothing that's, there's, there's that's going to be competitive about this. So what's going to happen? I've read that like Mayweather's like a defensive fighter and Connor's offensive. Like, is this going to go the full, what is it, 12 rounds? You tire him out or will this be a quick one? It'll go as long as Mayweather wants it to go. Oh, he's the one that's going to end it. Be like, okay. It'll, I'm it'll, 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 this. Yes, I got a dinner reservation in three hours. Let's just fucking he'll, clean, he'll clean this up. go all 12 rounds just, just to fuck with him. Yeah. But yeah, it's, wow. it's not going to. You're gonna the, so, the 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 lead up to this fight will be amazing. It'll be the best shit talk you've ever heard. Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor are two of the best promos ever. But so the once the fight so, happens, it's you're gonna you're gonna feel like you've wasted your money. Um, so I think the moral um, of the story is I need to go call my bookie and get the money on Mayweather off of <laughs> McGregor. <laughs> is that is that an easy is that an easy bet there, Anthony? What do you think? Betting on Mayweather? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but the the odds are so high that you're not going to make anything, but that's yeah, there's yeah. actually a ton of money coming in on McGregor just because oh, there's so many people that love this guy. Yeah. That's I mean, crazy. if you threw down a small bet on McGregor, you like, if you had like a hundred bucks to spare, you get I mean, major you returns, get some big return if he wins, yeah. but I'm telling you, he's not going to win. <laughs> all right. Any other, who do you, uh, Meridu based on all this, who do you think is going to win? I think probably <laughs> using my elite, statistical brain that analyzes and algorithmizes various sports patterns. I am going to say Howard the Duck. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Howard the Duck will win the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Uh, David, prediction. Um... You know, I don't have as much of a, you know, analytical mind as Scott does. He uses, you know, his, he uses a lot of logic. I'm going to go with my heart. And for me, I'm going to have to say Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill, the horse face as guardian. I like, I like both of those picks. I hope Venom wins. Uh, but man, huge pay-per-view. I'm this, kinda, this, this, this was worth discussing because they are, it, it is going to be one of those crossover events that everybody's going to be talking like about. A, like as big as like a Mike Tyson fight or a Muhammad Ali back in the day kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard to compare because yeah. boxing was a much more prevalent yeah. sport, but yeah. this is about as popular as boxing. Like when Floyd Mayweather fought Manny Pacquiao, that was huge. And this is going to be just as big. Well, this thing's going to pull reasons though. Yeah, it's going to pull in the boxing fans and then the MMA fans. So you're getting a double and, hit and of audience the, and the very casual audience. The casual fan knows who Conor McGregor and Floyd yeah. Mayweather are. Yeah. He is the face. Wow. Good stuff. August 26th, Las Vegas. Uh, get your pay-per-view. It's probably going to be a it's lot of It's probably going to be $100. $100, and the fights may last 10 seconds. Who knows? No, it'll probably go. It might go. <laughs> honestly, it'll probably go. If Here's my prediction. It'll probably go all 12 rounds and all be really boring rounds. because Mayweather is a very awesome defensive fighter, but he is a defensive fighter, and McGregor is not an aggressive fighter. He's actually a counterpuncher. So they are both going to be staring at each other for a while. <laughs> just going to wait for someone to maybe strike. To some, and so yeah. Yeah. just going to wait. loses. Yep. <laughs> yes. How can you both? Like if you're both counter strikers, uh, nothing happens. Somebody's got to fucking strike first. That is the uh, inherent uh, boredom when two counter punchers yeah. fight each other. Good stuff. Super fight. Yes. Okay. Let's move on to some uh, sad 
nerd news. We lost a Batman. We lost one of the remaining living Batman. Uh, Adam West passed away last past week, 88, uh, with a sh- after a short battle with leukemia. But, like, being a Batman is kind of like being a president. Like, we have so many living presidents left. We have so many living Batmans left. And, man, this one, you know, he, he, he had a crazy long career, an icon. To many people, their first live-action on-screen Batman. So I just want to go around the room because you guys are a bunch of young fucking punks, and I'm mm. curious as to how... Finally, when, finally I'm on a show. Right? You're not I've with 40-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> we've got 40-year-olds telling me what's cool. The nerd is outnumbered in the millennial group. It's a takeover. Oh, uh, let, okay, look, let's start with Anthony. What What is your uh, What is your remembrance of Adam West? Like, what, what, do you, what did you think of him growing up? So he is actually still my first Batman as well. Excellent. Um, Because he was on TV and I threw that on and I thought this was, as a kid, you were like, you didn't think it was wacky. You were like, this is a cartoon just with real people now. Yeah. And and this is who Batman is. I guess this is cool. I I enjoyed it. I thought, I didn't realize until I got older that it was so campy. But at the time he was my, at what, six, seven years old, the definitive Batman for me. So I, I I enjoyed the '60s era Batman up until yeah. I until up until I started growing some pubic hair. <laughs> pubes, pubes ruins everything. Pubes ruin it, everything. That's you the are problem. right. The show is amazing because you can see it two different ways. You see it as a kid and you take it seriously and you're excited and and it gets you going. Then you come back and watch it as an adult and you're like. Holy shit, these are adults just tongue-in-cheek deadpan giving these fucking ridiculous lines in these costumes, but you kind of respected for that tongue-in-cheek nature that they were able to pull off. Meridu, what's your relationship to the Adam West? Honestly, um, I wasn't very familiar with the old Batman TV series. I knew a bit about it. I knew it was silly. I knew it was campy. I knew he had, like, bat shark spray and things like that. To date, I've only ever seen one episode. and it, Oh, get out. It's the most enjoyably ridiculous thing I have ever seen in my life. The thing that really sticks out for me is like, it's at the end, like it's one with Catwoman. I think it was Julie Newmar. And uh, he's just foiled her plan. And they're like in an alleyway somewhere just after having foiled her plan. And she's got like this device and he's, and then he just sort of like takes the device from her. It's like, okay, so uh, how does this work? And she's like, oh, you just press that button and the thing there. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. I see now I've got it. That's literally how they talk. That's not me exaggerating. That's it's it's the most casual conversation about I don't know like a doomsday weapon I have yeah. ever seen. It was brilliant, and I don't know if they were taking it seriously or if that was part of the humor or they just didn't know what to do. But I I just thought it was really really funny and enjoyable, and uh, I may watch more. I may not. I don't know. But I, I there's not. I would watch the whole. There's not many episodes, and but I think they were taking it seriously. They knew that some of this. There was a lot of clever, you know, uh, tongue in cheek writing, and 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 for the adults. And uh, West is just deadpan, sincere delivery made it work. Because because uh, he's, he's an actor that really really commits to whatever he's yes. doing. He's a lot yes. of voiceover work in later yep. years, and a lot of it was very comic, mm. and he stuck to the comedy like glue it yeah. and and completely yeah, he sincere. pulls it off yes and that's the only way this batman would have worked uh david you uh what's your uh memories of mr adam west 
So, like Scott, I actually I haven't watched much of the the classic Batman show either. Um, I've seen a lot of clips, and I think I watched the movies at one point, but I, I really have, can't say I've ever watched a full episode. But um, my main memory of Adam West is when he guest starred on the Batman animated series as yes. the Grey Ghost. Yeah, great that's episode. One of the, those yeah. classic episodes, and yeah. it's great. Um, and then also, of course, as uh, Mayor West on um, Family, Family Guy. Guy. Yeah. And he uh, he played himself on The Simpsons. Uh, Fairly Old Parents. He was Catman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, man. The show, like the show even featured, uh, it was very progressive. If you think about it, they had the black Catwoman. They had a Latino Joker. Uh, there was an episode where like Batman's fighting for the hippies uh, late, late in the season. And even the police were portrayed as like the establishment were just bubbling idiots. And, and Batman actually used logic and detective skills and he was, he was smart and it was more, you know, using his brain over brute force. Um, I, I, th- I think they put out the DVDs remastered. I would highly recommend mm-hmm. checking, checking that out because I think, I think it's more on Netflix pe- too. And it's on Netflix. I think more people have watched the movie, which is, not the best it works better as a tv show the cliffhangers they would run this like on concurrent nights and uh i don't think anybody did that before same bat time same bat channel yes and then you'd hear that and something dramatic would happen but it's not really dramatic uh la uh turned on the bat signal this thursday uh, for to remember Adam West, I think they don't they have Batman Day in September. I think like every large city should just shoot a bat signal in the sky every mm-hmm. Batman Day. How awesome would that be? Batman signs all over the world at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's it's, it's a very, it's a very right. fitting uh, tribute. Uh, all right, I'm run. <laughs> then the next time Batman dies, he has to be you know bat signals at half mast. Oh no, half bat signal. Yeah, you just show a half of it. Uh, we will. There is more Adam West Batman uh, coming out. Actually, the at Powerless that that really shitty TV show that got canceled. They had uh, they didn't release their last two episodes. The the next episode has Adam West starring on it, and it's online for free for uh, for a short time. And then he did record uh, his vocals for the Cape Crusaders animated sequel. Ah. So we will still hear posthumous Adam West as Batman when that sequel. If, if you watch uh, out. Kick-Ass, the first yeah. one, Nick yeah. Cage is basically doing an Adam West yeah. impersonation yeah. the entire film when he's uh, Big Daddy or whatever the fuck his superhero name That's is. That's right. Like, And then like it's, it was like the William Shatner like delivery of acting. I don't know if that, that must have been a big thing back then. They probably hung out together. Like It was very similar to Shatner's delivery. Um, I also reached out to our buddy Eric Sharkey, filmmaker, who has directed Adam West in his first movie, Sexina Pop Star P.I. We're going to get him on. Not, and, uh, Adam, not Adam West's first movie. Not Eric Adam West's first movie. Eric's first movie. He got Adam West to be the boss in this 80s, I mean, in this B movie, campy movie. So we'll get some audio from him and share some Adam West stories, what it was like to direct Adam West, which I thought that would be pretty cool to get. But, man, the guy provided hours of entertainment for me as a kid in the summers watching these Batman reruns over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, to be fair, the comics at the time were kind of that wacky. Like they had, this was back when you had word balloons on the covers and they would uh, have just like a ridiculous situation. And uh, the show picked up on that. And they also gave us Mr. Freeze. They renamed Mr. Zero, Mr. Freeze and Barbara Gordon also created for the 66 TV show as Batgirl. So a lot of lasting stuff. This show gave. Well, I, mean, I didn't even know that. Crikey. Wow. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, well, enough yeah. sad stuff. Let's talk about Wonder well, he Woman. Is, he did live a nice. Old he had. Life. I mean, he and like I just love that he could. He he uh, understood what his role was and had fun with his career and kept making kind of fun of himself. Even though he was typecast and he couldn't get a lot of work afterwards, yes. he still yes. Yes. He still looks back on the series with a uh, look back with humor and warmth, and he, he loved his fans, and we loved him, frankly. Yeah, and I'm glad he kind of had a like a resurgence in the public eye with his voiceover. Was impromptu, Scott, or were you reading that? <laughs> no, I'm good. just That's naturally good. witty like that. Uh. <laughs> this is a nice eulogy. Okay, let's talk about Wonder Woman's box office for a second because holy crap, Wonder this Woman's thing. Box? Yes, let's talk uh, about that. Yes, let's talk about Wonder Woman's box. Wonder Woman. uh, office. Box had- office. We're on in. Or- the box I mean, orifice. The box orifice. I feel like orifice. there were a fair amount of crowd shots in that film, especially when the Amazons were jumping around. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. There were though. You're right. There was a lot of great, a lot of great butt shots, a lot of great crotch uh, shots. This movie domestically has made uh, 274 million dollars uh, worldwide, and it's at 571 million. Oh, shit. And some change in 17 days of release. That means Patty Jenkins's biggest uh the fourth female director to ever reach that milestone Here, here's a couple uh comparisons so that you can kind of see where it's where it's ranking in 15 days yeah it and domestically now it has beaten what man of steel did in 15 days yes and it'll probably beat its growth it has like also beaten mocking jay too what was that hunger games yeah mm. another female led oh yeah, wow, yeah. That's actually superhero-ish kind of thing it was number one two weeks in the row. It put down the mummy. It only had it had a really small drop off. Similar, they like they, for a superhero movie. Haven't seen this since the first Spider Man movie came out. Uh, this week though, Cars three and uh, the fucking Tupac movie pushed it down to number three. But in in a to in be a, expected. It, to be expected, especially in a in a summer this summer and next summer where there's a blockbuster movie coming out one right after another, mm. uh, you know, to manage to to hold it for two in a row is very good in the summer. So, man, we'll, we'll this get thing, to this later. But if you're a blockbuster yes. and you're not number one on your first weekend, <laughs> mummy, that, uh, that, you yeah. uh, oh, you yeah. are in deep shit. Oh, yes, yeah. you are. Let me throw this out to the group. Do you guys think now with this Wonder Woman that this is Jeff John's course correction is actually working? You know, when he came in, he was like, I'm going to put in hope and optimism. There's going to be heroics, uh, more humor and heart. And you see all of that in this movie. Will it carry on to Justice League? What oh, do you guys God, think? No, 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 no. This is the man that hates DC. What? That's correct. But, I, I, I've uh, been actually accused of hating DC, but yeah, now we yeah. actually have yeah, the guy here's that the thing, Here's does. the thing, though. Yeah. Do, you want, do you know what? how good this movie is? Do you want to know how good this movie is? I yes. have seen it twice. Wow. wow. I never see a movie in the theaters more than once. Even the really good ones. I saw this twice, once Holy alone shit. and once with friends. But still, it brought me back and I enjoyed it just as much as the first time. Hey. Excellent. His that is oh yeah. High praise. But do you, you don't you think uh you don't think they're gonna be able to keep this up? Is she gonna be like is this wasting a great character in a movie with a bunch of fucking mopey fucks that are barely developed in Justice League? Is that what's gonna happen? Yeah, but, but- I mean I, I'm worried more that like, you know, you've heard my thoughts on the color in Justice yes. League, and I think that alone kind of sets the tone and says exactly what we're gonna get, which is not Wonder Woman. <laughs> 
This thing uh, had I color. Will, uh, I will be slightly more optimistic. Although I can't <laughs> be with, with Zack Snyder. Although, you know, he's not involved anymore in Just Sleep, but it's gonna it's his still his film. Yeah, it's mostly it's his. mostly yeah. his film still. So that obviously worries me. I've railed on Snyder for a while now. I think Wonder Woman was the first movie though that Jeff Johns actually could was actually working on and actually could help with. Yes. So hopefully there's a course correction with maybe the other films that come out. Justice League, I'm a little bit worried about. I'm a lot worried about actually, but I think Wonder Woman is obviously a step in the right direction. And with all this positive feedback, we've noticed that DC is quite reactionary when it comes to the feedback they receive with Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad. They, they noticed it and like have changed their films. Like Suicide Squad got edited a lot and made (laughs) worse because of the reaction that they got from Batman vs. Superman. So hopefully they're seeing this reaction to, Wonder Woman, the positivity, and they're taking the right cues and hopefully can move it on to other things. Note to all DC executives, make films better by hiring good writer-directors. This ends the memo. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I will say I'm I'm more hopeful about Aquaman than I am about Justice League. I agree. Especially because that's one of the characters that John's really, like, took control of in the comics and is clearly really loves. So... I, I don't know. And also the shots that we've seen from Aquaman have color in it. So yes, lots of color. And I think hopefully they've taken the lesson that like when you have a single character film, don't fucking try to set up anything else. Just focus on a one storyline. And I think largely that's what helped Wonder Woman. Yeah. And you know, a lot of films can learn from that. Like, you know, <clears throat> the mummy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> one thing about the Aquaman real quick is, even though Jeff Johns had a, a, a huge role in making Aquaman a thing again, the character of Aquaman that Jeff Johns wrote is not the same as this like dirty pirate that we're getting that yeah, uh, Zack Snyder true. kind of is, yeah. is making. So they are kind of two different guys. Like the, the Aquaman, it seems like that we're going to get from Zack Snyder is like a weird thrill seeking pirate, dirty motherfucker that should act kind of like Namor. Yeah, and that's not really Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah basically, Jason Momoa. Yeah, basically, basically Jason Momoa. I mean, he looks like he looks like in Frontier in that Netflix show. Like he looks exactly the same. Where, it's whereas just the Jeff dirty Johns is Aquaman is he's a is clean not, cut. He's a cleaner guy, and he's not. Yeah. I mean, he is like loyal to his kingdom, but he's not this like dirty motherfucker. I mean, never mind the fact that Arthur Fair Curry enough. is blonde hair and blue eyed. Like it's a completely uh, different visual look. No, I'm not. Yeah, the visual look is obviously going to be yeah. different, but. The personality seems to be different. So we'll see what happens. That should be interesting. Uh, so speaking of Justice League, we know, you know, Zack Snyder suffered a, a tragedy and stepped away from the reshoots, handing them over to the Joss Whedons. Uh, some of these reshoots, uh, there's some pictures have come out and uh, speculation is like one of these may be the uh, Hall of Justice. You see like. You kind of see like a, a wooden structure and there's a little bit of like a round arch thing. I don't know. I'll show you a round arch thing. I'll show you my bitch. round arch thing. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow, that's aggressive for no reason. Uh, <laughs> that's what you get when the job's Do you back. need a reason? No. Do you really need a no. reason? I heard no. you shit talking me the past the other show saying I'm not oh, a real yeah. jock, you son I, of a bitch. I, I don't remember anything I've said yeah. on any previous show. I, I, I take the fifth. Uh, what do you guys think of these pictures? Like, is this the, the, the Hall of Justice? I'm betting you know, it's going to be like a city hall or something. 
Or just it, like it a- could, could go either way. To be perfectly honest, you never know with DC. You think, oh, this could be one thing. It turns out this thing was a completely different thing. They pulled the rug out from under us. We were expecting something good, and they gave us something meh. Well, they, <laughs> they have filming. confirmed that the Watchtower will be in it, though. So I think it would be oh. weird to do the Hall of Justice and the Watchtower, especially in the first movie. The the space uh, their space offices is going to yeah. be in it. Cool. It was like something like that. There was something about how like Batman's Batmobile was. They were going to have like a flying fortress of some th- of some sort. Holy shit. That sounds like a lot to shove into this movie. Right? <laughs> Any carrot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. I liked it the first time. Or it could be Steppenwolf's Lair. Um, the other The other change is the composer. Uh, Junkie XL. Well, first Hans Zimmer said after Batman vs. Superman, I'm done with superhero movies. See ya, fuckers. I'm out. Leaving Junkie XL, who was... I, do you know, was he removed? Did he leave? Did they fire him? Basically, Danny Elfman... Oh, shit. Is now uh, composing the Justice League this late in the game. When the movie comes out in November, they brought him on to co- be the composer. That's the best news I've heard about Justice League since they started shooting. Oh, shit. Okay, so that, that's that's good news. Danny uh, Elfman, save this movie. Here's the thing about dun, the Elfman, dun, though. You know, exactly. To your to your humming there, Elfman really hasn't made like a memorable tune since like Batman '89 or uh, the uh, not the Nightmare Before Christmas. Like he did Spider Man. Can anyone hum the fucking Sam Raimi Spider Man tune? No, it's completely forgettable. I hope he could. Uh, bring- I can't do it. I'm no, sorry. See, I thought I could. Can't, I can't. No. <laughs> but you can hum fucking Batman '89. You know, in a second. So my favorite Danny Elfman is always. Always the Simpsons theme song. Yes, he did the fucking Simpsons, but like <laughs> he, uh, Jesus Christ, please, please stop him. <laughs> Someone stop him. So Junkie XL said we on Twitter, on our show, okay? we, we <laughs> it's not the musical. It's the fact that your shit mic is like, uh, it's <laughs> crackling like, and, you're, and you speak in a soft <laughs> tone. It's just not working. We apologize uh, for David's crackling mic. He's, uh, he's got a lot of cereal in there. Uh, yeah. uh, so uh, Junkie XL said on Twitter, as my mentor, Hans Zimmer, told me, you haven't made it in Hollywood as a composer until you get replaced on a project. So I guess I finally graduated this week. It pains me to leave the project, but a big thanks to Zach for asking me to be part of his vision. And I wish Danny, Joss, and Warner Brothers all the best with Justice League. So he was removed. <laughs> replaced. So- so I've got a fun fact about this. Yes. I was actually going to save it for uh, the Pod Capers. Um, no, give us all the good shit. Then we, yeah, yeah, give yeah. us the good shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David, Danny what are you Elfman. doing? Are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> um, Danny Elfman and Hans Zimmer are the only two uh, composers who have worked on both Spider-Man and Batman films. Oh, nice. Ooh, I like that. Those are the only two names that I would even recognize. Right? Who? Yeah. People. Well, Michael Giacchino is kind of getting fun, big. Fun, yeah, and he's, Brian, Brian Tyler or Brian Taylor, who does uh, a lot of the Marvel movies. Fun fact. Ah, fun, somewhat yeah. fun fact, actually. Yeah. Ha- Hans Zimmer fun. was one of the performers at Coachella this year. Oh, yeah. He's going around doing he, uh, concerts doing and arenas and shit. Uh, the, and so is he playing? I guess he's playing his movie music. It, it, I would go watch what that. I've just, read, is he playing like Inception? What I've heard, it was one it's of like, the most wow. mind-blowing things ever because he had like full orchestra out there. Dude, his shit for Interstellar is great. I would go, actually, I would love to see I, that. I'm hoping really that, fucking cool. that Hans Zimmer comes to Chicago one day. Maybe a little, lo- cool. if I he comes to like Lollapalooza, I'd, I'd spring down some money. I, Anthony, I think he's actually playing uh, either Rosemont oh. Theater 
or Allstate Arena. I saw it oh. somewhere. So the Hans Zimmer concert. We should try to go to that. I would totally go see that. He's great. But look, we're going to get Danny Elfman. Hopefully he can. But we're going to get Danny Elfman a, now instead. Yeah, we're getting Danny Elfman for Justice League. Maybe it'll be memorable. Probably not. What's this? What? What's this? It's a piece of kryptonite. What's this? It seems to be really shite. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, though, is DC, I'll give them credit for this. Their their themes and their films are much resonate much more than anything Marvel's done. Yeah. Yeah, the Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman theme. Man, the yeah. theme works, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the yeah, the Ant-Man theme, though. The Ant-Man theme. Yeah, can you, can you hum a few bars for that? Dum, for us, dum, 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 dum. Just me? Is that how it goes? Is that the no, I don't know. From him. That, that's that's <laughs> Ant-Man! Am I the only one that liked the Ant-Man theme? Am I alone in this? Marvel. So I've got a... Uh, yeah, I'm alone in this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a, a Comic-Con pump-up playlist that I listen to whenever okay. I'm, I'm going to Comic-Con. I yeah. put all the soundtracks wow, on that it. That is nerdy. And I swear... <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. I got some really nerdy songs on there too. Like, um, anyway, we can get into it later. But um, I will say that there sometimes a song will come on, and I just legitimately have to check: is this X Men? Is this Avengers? Is this Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is it's, this? They use Marvel stuck using the temp music as their music sometimes. Hey, does that playlist end with "White and Nerdy" by Weird Al Yankovic? Because it really should. Yeah. No, but I need to put some Yankovic on yeah, there. That, that is that is by far, <laughs> dude. That is. That's I'm surprised good. you get laid. That is real fucking nerdy. <laughs> Holy shit. You have a Comic-Con pump-up playlist. How else oh, yeah, are you dude? supposed to get pumped oh, up for Comic-Con? <laughs> oh, my God. There's actually a song out there called Take Me to Comic-Con, and that's why I listen to oh, every day no. when I go to Comic-Con, and I walk Damn. out the door, and it's like... Is it like a parody of Take Me to Church? This year. No, it's like a legit band that like does like really nerdy songs. Uh, this is like um, another one. It's called like Keeks Will Take Over the World or something. This is like the weirdest catch 22 for me because I'm happy I have fellow millennials on. But then he says yeah. things like this and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God. You're like, where are those fucking 40 years? Jesus Christ. Just bring them back. <laughs> At least they're not, uh, they don't have like, a comic like, I, I, Tony, I'll, I'll send you the Spotify playlist. Oh, oh my God. I th- oh, and shit. I don't know if, and I think our li- listeners are actually probably like, yes, I can agree with like, that. I have one yeah. too. We should share playlists. Uh, I'll follow this yours. This show will never get laid. There's the, <laughs> not the wrong. Look, you have an e- you must listen to ED. It's like you listen to EDM music on the way to fucking Spring Awakening or whatever, right? Anthony? Yeah, similar. It's just, it's just, I've never heard anybody <laughs> say that before. That's pretty That's good. Great. We learned something about Malofsky. I like that. Okay, let's move on to some more exciting MCU news. Uh, last episode, at the very end, we had touched on the Black Panther trailer because it had just come out. And uh, oh, me and Russ, did I get my thoughts on there? Okay. Yes, of course. That's why I Yay. put it back in here because now we've had time to digest it, to break it down. It got 89 million views in 24 hours. Bullshit. Not bad. Anthony, I'm dying to know what your thoughts are on this first teaser trailer. It's a teaser, but it's like yeah, a, fucking a teaser, but then it's like almost two minutes. Um, that's not, is that really a teaser? Semantics. Yeah. Anyways, um, I must have watched this trailer 30 times. I, it's got 24 million yeah, views at least on the one by Marvel. coming for me. Uh, <laughs> and I've watched like Easter eggs and trailer breakdowns. Yeah. I loved it. I, I mm, yeah. There's so much that going on in there and it, it yes, it's this is going to be the movie. I read an, a comment on uh, Birth Movies Death, um, but this movie is going to be the movie 
it's going to have that same impact for women or for Wonder Woman yep. had for women that it's going to have yep. for African, like the African American. Absolutely. Like this movie is, is what is, is, is the shit. I mean, the, with, when you have that cast in that setting, I mean, in that much diversity, it, it is, I, I, this movie's huge. This, and, and there's and so there is mu- two white guys. There's still two white guys. So white the white guys. people don't it be scared. It does open with two white guys. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I thought it was you, really you, funny. You, that you guys, the white people will be okay. First shot. But I think, and it, but I, I just want to yeah. say that this movie also looks different than anything Marvel's ever put out. And, yeah. and the, the Wakanda stuff looks great. And the mixing of old culture with this highly technological advanced society is, is a sight to see. And I'm super excited for it. The end shot was a yeah. little too CGI for me, but other than that, Oh, the flipping, yeah, the car they, they flipping, it's still bad. They weren't ready. I don't think that shot wasn't yeah. ready for prime yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention that. I mean, great teaser doesn't give away much of the plot, but you see the sets look fantastic. The costume look fantastic. The action looks fantastic. Forrest Whitaker as in that, uh, he's the one with all the dots on his face, the dot makeup. He's like the, uh, mentor, uh, named Yuri, I believe. Mm-hmm. He looks amazing. Um, Meridu, what'd you think of the trailer? Well, here's the thing. I haven't seen it. I avoid all Marvel trailers. So I can enjoy it when I go and see it for the first time. Oh, I can, I can, I can understand I but- that discipline. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. And like, it's yeah. very, very hard. Yes. The second I saw it, I thought, oh, I want to see that. No, yes. no, resist. So you can enjoy the yeah. film in its entirety when you go and see it. Wow. Damn, that's not bad. That's what I've been trying to do with the Spider-Man. Shut up, Imran. Uh, but you but- jump on spoilers quicker than anybody. <laughs> I still have not watched the whole third trailer. And we'll get to that spoiler. It was not true anyways. But uh, David, thoughts on the trailer? Um, like Tony, I've watched it a whole bunch of times. Uh, I, I'm loving it. Um, I think Michael B. Jordan is what stands out for me the most in it. Like his character, I think is Killmonger. Killmonger, yeah. Oh, uh, I was just, I, I just kept watching like his little clips over and over. That he looks so badass. Yeah, the whole thing, the colors, the colors look great, man. I, I can't wait. The uh, comment that I read on Birth Movies Death because it's it's by a yeah. black guy, and yeah, he goes and he goes. This is my Wonder Woman. Like, do y'all realize how long <laughs> and yeah. words been with an A? Been waiting to see the powerful African nation of Wakanda on the big screen with a black director slash writer. And this bold, this is the cast. That's awesome. I mean, imagine you're a little black kid watching this and you're like, oh, my God, it's a black superhero. Like, uh, not only that, but you're getting Wakanda, which is like, yes, everything, everything like that's filmed in Africa is basically like this is like a backwards ass fucking country that's so poor. Ah, Now you're getting like culture, Mm, but you're getting a country that like secretly has been in hiding and is actually way more like if you would have just left Africa alone, maybe this is what would have happened. The Afrofuturism. Oh, yep. Afrofuturism. I like that. Highly technological. So you know how Ulysses Claw says it was called El Dorado. Uh, what's the name? And I was like, what is that significance of that? El Dorado uh, means the golden one. And it was the term used by the Spanish empire to describe a mythical tribal chief of the Musica native people of Colombia, who as an initiation rite covered himself with gold dust and submerged in Lake Guadalajara. The legend surrounding El Dorado changed over time as it went from being a man to a city to a kingdom and then finally an empire. And like that, once I read this, that line just got me even more excited uh, to see what they're going to do with this movie. Now, I found this interesting article <laughs> from theheatstreet.com. 
Uh, Sounds credible. I don't know what this is, but look, the title revealed tensions on set of Black Panther because of Marvel's unofficial affirmative action policy. Uh, It says here, Marvel uh, Heat Street has been told by a well-placed source at Marvel that an edgy atmosphere existed on set during the filming of Black Panther. The source said there was more tension on the set of Black Panther than on any Marvel movie I've worked on previously. The source, speaking on condition of anonymity, said the antagonism arose from Black Panther's personal setup. He said the Black Panther cast is predominantly African-American, which of course suits the material. But in addition to the performers in the movie, Marvel and Disney also took to the decision to ensure there were black staffers high up in every department of the Black Panther crew. This affirmative action policy might be fine in theory, but unfortunately in practice, a certain level of stress existed between new members of the crew and some Marvel veterans. The tension wasn't ever about race. It was more over decisions relating to the day-to-day filming process and shooting of action sequences in the movie, end quote. Kugler hired what the official Marvel press release described as his creative brain trust. This included production designer Hannah Beachler, costume designer Ruthie Carter, and co-writer Joe Robert Cole, all of whom are black. The source added, Ryan Coogler really knows what he's doing, and hopefully that movie will turn out great, but things weren't helped by the fact that Chadwick Boseman kept behaving like a difficult star throughout shooting and was far more demanding and exacting in how he behaved to the crew than previous Marvel leading men. I just thought this was interesting. You know, Coogler and Ryan B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, this is the third movie they've worked on together. Uh, if he brought in his costume designer, she nailed it because the fucking costumes look great. What do you guys think? Do you think this is, uh, could this be true or is this, uh, this is weird. Fake news. This is fake news. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't even care. <laughs> I'm calling shenanigans. Yeah. I mean, none of this has been, it's like an unnamed source. It's none of it's revealed, but I found it interesting in is the state of affairs. Everything is, but it's still, it looks fucking badass. So if the result is a great movie. Then cool. I'm so tempted to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's weird. Also, they Marvel canceled two Black Panther spinoff comics also, which I thought was weird when you're trying to promote a Black Panther movie coming up. Like spinoffs of the film? No, I was spinoffs of like uh, Black Panther, the, like the one Black Panther title. World of Wakanda and Black Panther and the crew hmm. were both canceled. Weird stuff. Oh. Weird stuff, but the movie... Meridu, uh the the trailer looks Meridu, awesome. I, I applaud you. Stay strong, yeah. buddy. Stay strong. Keep your dick in your pants, dude. Stick to your guns. So I always do. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of getting spoiled and Spider-Man last episode, I was such a fucking idiot and I made Rugs reveal something that may have been in the novelization and then like I cut it out because I was like, oh, I can't. And apparently, and I knew I was overreacting because it turns out that Zendaya role was has been debunked. I'm, not, I'm just going to just whatever it was, it was debunked. I don't even want to say who they said she was, but I'm an idiot. I, I will say it seemed like an interesting way to position the character. It did. Without going into the details, but yes. it, it felt like actually that made a lot of sense. So, so when I heard what it was, I was like, okay, that, that actually could work. But at the same time, I'm really glad that that's not the case. But are they just fucking with us? Because that no, if you you need to not know that going into this movie because it it's like a huge plot point could be. Yeah, and we're gonna just protect Scott's little ears and not say what it was. No, we're not gonna say what it was, but it's well, not and true. It's also <laughs> it's also terrible for our listeners because we're talking about something as if everyone knows what it is, <laughs> but we're not saying what it is. So that for a listener listening to this show, they're like, okay. 
move on. I'm just so saying, that's what we yes, do. we're moving on. Ignore all that shit from last episode. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Thank you. They are projecting uh, 190 to 108 million debut opening weekend, which seems low. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man. What, everyone was going I, bonkers when, 100, when Wonder Woman made 100 million. That's true, but uh, I don't think they had a lower expectation for that. But this is fucking, this is a Spider-Man, first solo Spider-Man movie in a long time. Tony, let me me give you some perspective. The first Spider-Man movie was the first movie ever to make $100 in the first weekend. Right. Oh, wow. So this is 15, 16 years later. We should be seeing $150 minimum. At at least. Yeah, Yeah, but you're you're also not factoring in that we've had five spider-man films yeah, since yeah then. No, I think it's, and the, the two previous ones were both disappointments yeah it's probably just the bad taste left in everyone's right. mouth by uh electric boogaloo, <laughs> electric it, boogaloo. But, so is that why you think they're fucking spoiling this whole movie everywhere because they don't think people have still figured out that this is a different spider-man oh yeah that that is exactly yeah. Yeah. that is part the whole marketing plan is that this is Stop. part of the mcu it's also all the banner posters I've seen over here have had um, Iron Man featured as big as yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. And it makes it seem like this is the Spider-Man Iron Man movie. And it's like, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be a bo- big box office draw for it. But if they're only anticipating this much, then I'm I'm very concerned. Yeah, that's I, weird. I'm not concerned. <laughs> they, I think they, they will do just fine. It will be just fine. The problem is it's a tight turnaround because I think the next week, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes comes out the following week, following Spider-Man. And uh, that, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll be, be fine. fine. Don't worry. Do not worry. Yeah. I don't think they're going to have that much of a crossover audience. Like, I think uh, everyone yeah. who was going to see both movies will see both on yeah. opening weekend. Yeah. And that like Spider-Man's more for kids, whereas Planet of the Apes really isn't. No, not at all for kids. That's a good point. Meridu, I'm with you on this one. I'm try really trying not to uh, spoil. This, this movie will be fine. Don't worry. Ooh, Whenever I go to the cinema and they show trailers, they think oh I have God. to put my fingers <laughs> in my ear. And, oh, I, 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 I get so, a lot of weird looks. I saw, I saw a trailer for it before Wonder Woman, and then they showed a different trailer before The Mummy last night. And oh, I was no. like, I just turned to my wife and I was like, I'm going to talk to you through this whole trailer just so i don't pay attention to it I, yeah i was afraid during wonder woman they were going to show the trailer i didn't want to watch it then and i was like what would i do and i just like put my head down and grab my ankles and pretend like a plane is crashing that uh, is the twerk <laughs> position please that, never do yes. that <laughs> grab your ankles kiss your ass goodbye everybody uh okay there is a new spider-man game coming out next year for the ps4 they have given us i guess this was e3 an eight minute gameplay video and holy crap this uh i would i almost makes me want to buy a playstation 4 this looks like uh arkham asylum for spider-man in terms of gameplay cutscenes storytelling so you guys get a chance to see any uh of this video I watched a little bit of it the other day, and I think what I learned from it is that I clearly have not been playing video games for a long time. Because I think the last Spider-Man game I played, you can watch the YouTube video of me playing it, was like the Return of Electro on the PS2 or something. Yeah. And like the difference in the graphics from that to the... Like if you told me this was like... A movie. The, the, or a, yeah. A movie. Yeah. This was like some of... Like they're, you know, obviously the skin tones of the uh, the real people, but like... Some of the shots of Spider-Man, if you were just like, this is just, you know, footage from the new movie, I would have totally been like, why is his suit white? 
Except for the big white stupid spider oh, emblem. Yeah. But except they, for that, but it looks ex- it looks real. Holy crap! Uh, this so this is a twenty three year old college graduate, Peter Parker. It's not so it's not the homecoming continuity. Uh, he is a he's working as a scientist. Uh, the he's got a big white emblem, and uh, on Twitter they've said that it will be explained in game. There is a reason. You can also there'll be other suits, but. Holy God, it starts out with like a stealth mode where he's crawling around the girders and you see him with explosive webbing and he's quietly webbing up guys and it just looks amazing. Then the second half of this thing is this unfucking believable helicopter uh, scene where he's saving a crane and he's chasing this helicopter. It is, it looks like a fucking movie uh, and I can't wait to watch this on YouTube while other people play it because I'm fucking, I can't <laughs> afford a PlayStation 4. Uh, there's no way. Anthony, what, what do you think of this? I'm watching it now, and you're definitely right. This is the Batman Arkham style of gaming that uh, was made popular by that film. So, or that video game looks great. I'm the white emblem. I'm not a fan of, but no, me neither. No, I'm not a big gaming review guy, so I don't have all the the, the specifics and how to s- describe what I'm seeing. But it looks good. I love how like I, the I'd cut- play it. I'd play yeah. a shit ton of it. And oh probably, shit, yeah. Probably not eat. Just play, <laughs> yes, play it all the way through. I love how like the gameplay action like is seamless into the cutscenes narratively, taking you into the story, and then you play it. That, that was how Batman Arkham yeah. was too. Holy shit, Meridu, thoughts on this? I have several points because I have played several Spider-Man games. Going back even further than Angel Electro, I played the uh, fucking first Spider-Man PC game where he's like flipping around and stuff. But anyway, so the, yeah, I agree. It's a bit like <laughs> I've got a lot of things to talk about. It's a lot. It's a lot like Arkham Asylum, I got you, but I think. I think like it's a suitable mesh between Arkham Asylum and the best Spider-Man game ever made, Spider-Man 2, a fucking movie yes. tie-in game, and it's one of the best video yep. games I think ever made. Absolutely. And because it includes it's it's with 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 Spider-Man 2, the combat was very simple and minimalistic. Here it's a bit more expanded upon, but not in a too aggressive way I think I think it works for Spider-Man because his contextual interactions with various sorts of things you can like move beams around with your webs and stuff and it's all very nice and stylish so I think that feels very reminiscent of Web of Shadows uh, Spider-Man game out from recently which was very good and which I count to be a very decent Spider-Man game but also it's got the web sling like the traversing and the travelling around with the web swing yeah. it depends on how we- I won't know if it's good until I actually get down to play it because sure. there have been three games that I think truly capture Spider-Man's web Spider-Man 2 Web of Shadows and Ultimate Spider-Man which was sort of based on the Ultimate Spider-Man okay. comics but uh, the Web of Shadows and Ultimate Spider-Man the web swinging it was good but it felt it didn't feel very naturalistic it, didn't, it felt like I was constantly fighting it whereas with Spider-Man 2 it felt very natural and flea-throwing yeah you could go anywhere exactly yeah. and so hopefully that'll turn out well I was a bit concerned by the appearance of my dreaded nemesis QTEs aka Quick Time Events which spoiled oh. Web of Shadows a lot for me because basically with Web of Shadows, what happened is a little circle would appear on the screen and then you'd see yeah. a button that you'd have to press and that button would slowly inch over to the circle and when it went into the circle, you had to press it. This was bad because it meant that whenever you, you'd be like fighting the vulture in the sky, you'd been flipping around the sky and punching and all sorts of cool stuff, but you couldn't see any of that because you were focusing on the QTEs. But in the new Spider-Man game, the PS4, it seems... Uh, just something appears on the screen, you press it, done. It's very simple, as QTEs ought to be, and it makes sense within the context, so it'll depend 
when I play it, if it's annoying or not, but I have very high hopes, but that worked album is stupid! So I I like how, you know, Spider-Man 2 was like the Grand Theft Auto type play, which was popular at the time, and now they've taken this Batman Arkham Asylum with your QTEs and pressing L2 and R2 to shoot webs when it tells you to keep the cinematic cutscene going. Uh, yeah, we'll see, man. I could see. I'll, I'm going to I'm gonna watch someone play this whole game on YouTube. That's all I'm going to do once it comes out. But it's not coming out till next year. Uh, no. And apparently there's no killing. Like, he doesn't kill. You'll notice in the trailer, everybody he ejects, he kind of saves them. He, like, webs them and throws them into the building. Nobody it, actually... Doesn't he not kill in the comics? What is this? Is this surprising? Yeah. I mean, surprising? but they, like, they make it a point to where when he punches somebody out of the helicopter, he, he actually sees them, like, catch him and save him, which is kind of cool. Oh, and Miles Morales is in this, too, at the oh. very end. He's taking photos, which is uh, interesting to see how they work that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, last thing for the news section, everybody. Uh, War for Planet of the Apes that we said is coming out right after the week yes. after Spider-Man Homecoming. It is getting uh, very positive early reactions on uh, Twitter. Uh, some of the comments saying, uh, I just had the pleasure of seeing War for the Planet of the Apes. Jesus, you guys, start hydrating now. You're going to need it. Wow. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I could watch apes on horses in the mountains and snow forever. The special effects are so seamless. It's downright eerie. Uh, war, war is a world-class filmmaking top to bottom, equal to Rise, and it has to be said, better than Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Anthony, how hyped does this get you? Uh, I've, uh, I just need this movie to come out already. I watched the... Um, there's a clip online. I probably shouldn't be watching them, but I, I did. <laughs> the, the bad ape clip. Where you yeah. meet a new ape, and it, oh my god, it's fucking fantastic! I mean, they, they are they are doing God's work, and just and not enough people are noticing this shit, dude. This fucking uh, this stuff yeah. is next level. The apes are fucking amazing, and they're people. I don't understand. Like they're making like epic Shakespearean, like Greek, uh, myth, you know, myth, like yeah. stories here, where it's just like epic, and it's and but. And it's yeah. with apes. Like, yeah. people don't like people don't understand that this is what their people are acting like apes, but they're doing Shakespeare epics. I mean, <laughs> some of the best shit Matt Reeves does is like there's close in shots of eyes, you know, in a lot of this movie. You think with this much CGI, you'd kind of back it up, have a wider shot. No, you're right in and you see mm. every little wrinkle, every little hair, every little expression. What you said about Epic is great. Matt Reeves uh, shared some what some of his influences were. Uh, he says, uh, I wanted this film to be like a biblical epic uh, revealed in the newest issue, Empire Magazine. Mark Bombach, Reeves' co-writer, and I looked at classic war movies, The Bridge on the River Kwai, Patton, and Apocalypse Now is what he's pulling from. Uh, and it, it seems to be there. He says, we were also thinking in terms such as the Ten Commandments. I wanted to feel very intimate in the foreground, but with grand vistas always dwarfing the characters. Uh, that uh, looks awesome. Meridu, are you into this franchise? Are you, look, are you watching this trailer or not? Well, here's the thing. Um, I saw the trailer for the first one of this new bunch of eight movies, and um, it had James Franco in it, and I hate his face. So <laughs> I haven't seen any of them yet. Oh, but you're, you're missing I love out, you're man. Watch him. Franco's- I, I, honestly, when the new when the, uh, one after that came out, I thought I should probably get around to watching this at some point. So I, I will get around to it, and I'll probably maybe even see it in theaters uh, when I do get around to it. But um, L- let me say I, I this: good things. Let me hear. Let me tell you this, Scott. It's Cliff Notes version. The first one is 
like when you watch that, surprisingly very good and very charming. Like mm. you're like, wow, I didn't expect James yeah. Franco Planet of the Apes reboot to actually be good. The second one though is when you're like, holy shit, they are all in and they are fucking acting as apes and destroying cinema. And, and, this, third one, and the third, this third one yeah. is going to kill everybody. Yeah. You got it. You got so, it. It's, it's so good. David, what do you think about this? Are you excited for this? So I really liked the first movie and I liked the first half of the second movie, but I felt like it got a bit too like the climax just dragged on too much in the second movie. But the, I will say the more and I've seen the trailer for the new one, the more and more excited I've gotten, like each time I've seen the trailer, like I think it's going to be really good. And I'm starting to get a little bit hyped now. I just can't wait to see Caesar and uh, fucking what's his name face off. Woody Harrelson, bald Woody Harrelson. Yeah. It looks badass. It's kind of like the guy. He's like this character from uh, the Natural Born Killers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. yeah. Mickey, what's his name? I can't remember. That would be awesome. Oliver Stone, Oliver Stone directing Planet of the Apes with Woody Harrelson. All right, look. So, hang on. Have you guys heard? My, have I told you guys my story about how I met Andy Serkis? No. <gasps> Tell us. Right, well, I'm going to tease that. We'll save it for the post show. <laughs> Ah, oh, you bastard. <laughs> All right. We, and with that, listen there. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to play some fun promos from some of our pod buddies, and we will continue. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, folks. My name is Trip Lano, and I am one of the co-hosts of Dissecting the 80s here with my tag team partner, Andrew Lano. Every other week, we get together and talk about a weird 80s movie, making fun of the clothes and the drama and the hair. And we also have fun little side discussions. Like, I try to make every romantic scene underscored by role to me. Has there ever been, like, the Nicholas Sparks swamp? <laughs> she was a girl. He was a swamp. Go, go, that's not Nicholas Sparks. That's late 90s. She's all that. And I try and talk the logistics of how flying cars would work. So are the medians going to have, like, football goalposts to make them higher now so you don't cross an oncoming traffic? Yeah. What happens if the guy in second row over, third car down, needs to get off to the right? I should have thought of that. <laughs> So if you want a little more of that, check us out at DissectingThe80s.com or available wherever fine podcasts are sold. Do you like superheroes? Do you like movies, television shows, and comic books? Do you like listening to a guy rant about these things for hours on end? Well, then you're in luck because you need to check out Pod Capers, the official podcast of A Place to Hang Your Cape. Featuring me, Scott James Meridue, we'll be talking about a variety of geek and nerdy issues, joined each week by a rotating panel of guests that will try to contain me. Jokes on them, I cannot be contained. So please, join us on Pod Capers, the official podcast of A Place to Hang Your Cape, where superheroes go to relax, but I never do. Cue the music! My name is Carrie Sims, and I host Sketching Comedy with my artist friends, Imran Javed. Hey, that's me! And Phil Rude each week live on YouTube. Hang out with us as I learn and discuss the legends of comic book art and comedians while the fellows are creating live drawings during the show. I learned Bill Burr has a brother that was almost a replacement for the late Senator Ted Kennedy. Yikes! Uh, Carrie, did you know he was also on Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place as an extra? 
I blame him for Ryan Reynolds. Visit BlazingCaribouStudio.com or tune in each week on our YouTube channel and download the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever podcasts are found. Catch you later! Hey, listener, have you been enjoying the Jock and Nerd podcast? Want more show? There's more show if you join our fan club on Patreon. Just visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon and join the community. You'll get an RSS link with bonus audio. There's like 10, 11 hours. It gets bigger every week of of bonus post-show episodes. And you're helping keeping the show rolling. We've had a bunch of new patrons in the past few weeks. It's been amazing. So right now, I'm just going to read the list. I want to say super Thank you to the following people. Uh, Joe Henry, our newest patron, super patron. He is a super patron because he pledged uh, at a high tier. Also, Jim McPike, Philip Milan, David Malofsky right here for a place to hang your cape. Uh, David David Zika, check out Zika's viral comics on eBay. Dr. Adam Morris, PhD. Ron S. Hans. Uh, Matthew Lawrence, Blazing Caribou Studios, Stephen Tran, Joe from work, Steve Morrison, and Matt Delhauer. Geek Mooner. The list is pretty long, and we need to get it longer. David, thanks for uh, supporting us on the fan club. Uh, how about you? Uh, let's get another testimonial. You sell the people on signing up on our Patreon. What do you got? I mean, Imran, you, you already know this. I can't get enough of the Jock and Nerd. <laughs> That's and why I love I, you. I lead so much audio in my life now. Like for my commute, I listen to podcasts at work. So having basically like two Jock and Nerd shows a week is amazing. Um, it means I'm never without my headphones anymore. Oh, that's great. Uh, so I want, let's bring this up. Uh, Master of None, you heard us talk. We, we didn't talk. We talked about it a little bit on the show. And uh, you, want, you, had, you wanted to discuss Master of None. Yeah, so you guys talked about it a little bit on the show. And then I was listening to the, the, you talking about it on the post show. And a few yes. of the things that you were saying, I was like, I need to stop right now. And I just went and I downloaded Master of None from Netflix. And I just watched it. And it was fucking amazing. So right? thank you for recommending that because I wasn't planning on watching it. Yeah, like I really didn't like the like I watched the first season and I really didn't like how it um, the tail end of it the yeah. last few episodes and so by the time season two was out I was like I'm not going to bother but then you were you were talking about it and I was like really going in depth in the post in the post show stuff actually sounds really cool I kind of want to watch this for myself I'll agree and I binged it from like the third episode of the first season into the second season and it works really well Aziz I'm sorry is that more for brown people. Than like actual like brown political activist people like it's that it's one of the best things about the show, uh, and it's weird for me to relate to a lot of the things that goes on in the show like the whole being a Muslim and not really practicing and and going to eat barbecue during the last day of Ramadan like <laughs> I love that shit and the fact that yeah. Fisher Stevens was not an Indian actor but we thought he was for years uh, in short circuit so I'm glad you checked it out I'm glad we can turn. You on. So, listener, join the fan club. You're going to get turned on to cool shit like that. My one thing about Master and None, and I was saying this on a, a podcast I was on um, on Friday, is that like every single episode of the second season is different. Yes. Like the format is different. The length is different. Sometimes the color or the sound will be different. Like everything. And it was so creative just as a season of TV. And it makes me really hopeful for like the future of Netflix that maybe they'll do more shows that can like use the medium in that way a lot better. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, like he really uh, got inspired for the second season. And you see all these different influences from Italian movies to uh, just everything that's around him. So check out anybody. Uh, Meredith, Anthony, you guys watch any Master or None? Not so far. Yeah. I have not watched it. No, but uh, it's on the list. Listen, along with lots of other things that are on the list. It's what I call I never watch. <laughs> it's what I call good brown content. Oh, shit. In a good way. <laughs> brown people content. I thought, I thought that's what comes out of uh, Ruckboy Slack Hole. <laughs> yes, very good brownie content. Uh, okay, look, before we get to the pod capers, I want you guys to talk about your podcast a little bit. I think we got to talk about Universal's Dark Universe and the Mummy. Because, like, again, I am obsessed with what a fucking fiasco and disaster and flop this thing well, seemingly uh, seems to be. Well, well, let's real quick. It seems like we have someone that's seen the movie on. Oh, yeah. who's seen it? I went to see it last night. Oh, so. shit. Okay, oh, Malofsky, uh, let's... So I'm going to break it down. Okay, you break it down. What do you think of the movie? Give us a quick so, review. So, the movie, it's really weird tonally, first of all. So Spoiler alert? Are we spoiling uh, things here? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to... Hold on. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. There you go. All right. So, basically, like, the fo- the first act of the movie is actually really strong, and it plays, like, sort of like an action comedy, sort of like the same tone as the first, uh, the Brendan Fraser trilogy. And um, it- it's got a really nice, like, vibe to it. And then it's, so that's all when they're in, like, the Middle East and stuff. Mm-hmm. As soon as they get, like, back to, like, the West, like, they land in London, and everything just sort of starts turning into, like, the Avengers a little bit oh boy. where basically um, it, Russell Crowe's Jekyll sort of plays like a Nick Fury kind of role. Yeah. And it's like, he's got like a monster fighting thing, like group. And it's like, there's wow. hints at like vampires and werewolves and like fish monsters and things, things that and, go bump in the night. Yeah. yeah and it's it just like, it takes this weird turn and it's, it just suffers from that same, basically exactly what happened with like Batman v Superman and all those other things where it's like, they're not focused on this movie. They're focused on the next six. Yikes. Mm. And like, if they had just done this movie, I think it would have been really good. But as it stands, it feels like there's like three movies kind of trying to get out. So there's one movie with um, Tom Cruise as Nick action hero who is like, you know, cracking wise and like basically being Tom Cruise and like being really smug and funny and running and a lot. Yeah. And running a lot. Then there's this like interesting supernatural, like the mummy element. And sometimes the tones of that don't match. Like he goes from like this really dark moment of being like talking to the, the, the woman and being like, she's like, I think we, we angered the old gods. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It goes from that to, him chatting with his undead best friend in the women's bathroom. And then from that, it cuts to him having this like really horrifying vision of like rats covering his body. And it's sort of like, like those are, it's really disjointed. Oh, the rats thing is a vision. That's like the fucking uh, Batman nightmare scene. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, um, the whole thing is like, there's three different movies kind of fighting to get out. One of them is the other one is the, the Jekyll and Hyde where like Dr. Jekyll is like this, you know, cr- like basically Nick Fury, but they fight monsters. Wow. And it's just, cr- it's just weird. And like I, saying all that, like I still thought it was fun. Yeah. But I think it would have been a lot better if they were like, here's the mummy. And then there's an end credit scene with 
Jekyll coming out. And if they just, had just been like uh, hinted at like there's a doctor who's a specialist. I want yeah. you for the Dark Universe Initiative. Yes, <laughs> yes. Have you heard of it? That would have been like, great. Have you heard of the Dark Universe? Is the action at least any good? Like the action in the trailers looked pretty good. Every scene that the mummy is in, like she killed it. Like Sophia I, I could take my eyes off of her. Nice. Like she's hot. She's powerful. She's like determined. And like her powers are really cool. Like she's kind of got this like psychic connection to Tom Cruise. He's like driving away from her, trying to get away. And then he realizes that he's, he's actually driven in a circle and he's driving right back to her. Well, um, and it's sort of like, that's how the movie kind of plays where it's like, they kind of pull away from the mummy and then everything just sort of brings back to her. And there's, she gets some really cool, like scenes of just, um, like interrogation kind of scenes and stuff. And like, um, very like Joker kind of moments. Hmm. She's great. Um, the rest of it. Does he, does Cruz have like superhero powers by the end of it? Do you guys really want me to tell you? I don't know. Hit what do you guys? Spoiler alert button. I, I look. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. I don't give a fuck. Okay. I'm going to watch this for free somewhere, but. Yeah, 100%. He basically, um, it ends with him. He like becomes the living vessel for Set, the god of the dead. Oh, shit. And he has like power over life and death. But it's okay. sort of like. You can't give Tom Cruise that kind of power. No. That's dangerous. Yeah. And, like, yeah. It totally ends with him with. So it ends with him like riding off into the sunset with his best friend and like Jekyll's like, um, you know, we, we should we should find him. He could be our most powerful weapon against evil. And it has this very like Avengers vibe to it. Like, damn, we need to find him to help fight fight these other monsters. And in my mind, it's just like, do you I feel like his story is kind of over. <laughs> yes, I think this whole universe is over. Well, like we said, the movie came out. Did not hit number one its first weekend and still did not hit number one. It made 32 million domestically opening weekend, but then it made a hundred. That's terrible. F- but it Ter- made that's a- terrible. That's horrible. That's horrible because the budget yeah. was a lot, but it made 141 million overseas. So it had a combined opening of 174 million worldwide, which is the largest international opening for a Tom Cruise film ever, which I was also surprised. So, China is eating this up, and I think is it smart, guys? This is what I get to. Is it smart to announce a whole universe and franchise before you even put the first fucking movie out? I mean, having seen the movie, if I didn't know that there was going to be a whole universe of movies surrounding this, yeah. the movie itself wouldn't make sense. Like Jekyll, <laughs> oh, no. just yeah. like, like the inclusion of it's like basically the movie stops for. Like it gets the second act and it just stops just so that they can introduce Dr. Jekyll. And it, it's sort of like it comes out of nowhere and it makes like it got a laugh when he was like, my name is Dr. Henry Jekyll. Oh, no. So I think that like they had to. And in doing so, they ruined the movie. Here's uh, my thoughts on this. Yeah. I was actually. In theory, excited for a Universal Monsters modern day crossover event because the universal monsters are the og yeah shared universe yeah first off alex kurtzman the director of this film yes if he is the guy leading the charge on your shared universe you are fucked yeah probably this is the guy that wrote all the transformers films oh. and the amazing spider-man 2 
Oh, this is, oh, this no. is not the guy. He, he's not. This is not the guy you want leading a fucking franchise. This is not your Josh Sweden, your Kevin Feige, even your Zack Snyder. This he guy doesn't is, have the large vision. This, clearly. this guy is terrible. This guy is terrible. leading a conga line, let alone a franchise. <laughs> oh, this so, guy is yeah. terrible. But here, let me let me let me continue. Yeah, I would I would have liked to have seen a crossover mummy and all this stuff. Mummy Dracula. Creature from Black Lagoon, Black Lagoon, all that shit. Uh, that'd have been cool. But the problem, what turned me off when I was seeing these trailers is, like, what are you going for? Because th- are you going for horror? Yeah. This isn't horror. Are you going for huge epic sci-fi? You are kind of, but why? That's the mummy. Like the the mummy for me, the, it didn't need to be this world-ending event. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I don't even get as a fan watching the trailers. I don't even understand why the mummy has all these powers. What I thought the mummy was just someone wrapped in fucking uh, yeah. toilet paper walking yeah. around real slow. Like what? What are we watching here? So I don't. The, the fact that they're making this like epic movie out of a character that's just the mummy. Yeah. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't it's work for me. Sense. It's it's incongruent to what I would think the mummy story should be. And then to announce a whole universe, and it seems like what that's what they did. It's they're they're falling into the same trap that BVS have fell into that Amazing Spider-Man Two fell into where it's you're not concerned about making good film all you're concerned about is telling us that you're making a lot of films yeah I would say this is definitely like Amazing Spider-Man Two syndrome mm-hmm. they're shoving all this stuff in and it also it seems kind of old school the their their model for this in the sense that they're like hey we got these big names being these monsters right. uh, the movie industry's changed nobody gives a fuck who's starring in the movie anymore it's all about brand management and brand awareness um it's so, here to um dr or uh dr jekyll mr hyde yeah is not a universal monster character oh he, oh he's not huh that's interesting they they needed uh, they, some they, they acquired him and then they've thrown him in this huh but he's not he, uh, he wasn't in a league of extraordinary gentlemen as well yeah, yeah which that, uh, that, that was that's also the reason why they good. picked up uh Maybe the Phantom of the Opera was busy. Who knows? <laughs> no, they've uh, no, added no, Phantom, Phantom of the Opera yeah. in there. Yeah. They added Hunchback of Notre Dame and Phantom of the Opera, which if you're doing this in present day, I don't know how you do those in present day. Also, Alex yeah, Kurtzman, yeah. this is his only his second movie he's <laughs> directed. He did People well, Like it, Us, which was not, it was like a small drama. One, one more thing, when they announced those other two films, that's another thing where I'm like, so you have The Mummy, and yeah. uh, from what Scott, or uh, David said this Tom Cruise has basically now got the mummy powers. He's got control life and death, right? Yeah. So then, but then how would you incorporate the hunchback of Notre Dame? And like, it doesn't make sense. He's he's just a deformed dude. Yeah. And like, and the, the Phantom of the Opera, but I think it was, was it you guys or it might've been the weekly planet that was saying that like, they're going to have like their main movies. And then there's one of the subsidiary studios that's going to make, other movies just set in the same world, but they're not actually going to like connect. Damn. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. That wasn't us. No. <laughs> yeah. But internationally, this film's being carried in. I, it looks like this franchise, although shit here domestically, it looks like it might have some legs at least for a couple more films. Yeah. But this should have made two fifty million. you know, yeah. it shouldn't, you know, it should have been a two fifty open worldwide. You know, that's yeah. what, uh, what was it? Fast and Furious did, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's uh, but you should know, it have? I mean, you, you look. You, everyone <laughs> saw the saw the trailers. Was anyone like, man, I really, I'm, I'm dying to see the Mummy after this? No, I, I mean, was, I'm, I'm basically uh, just saying that, like, you know, yeah. it, it totally underperformed in the states. And the thing, the Mummy is a weird choice too. Like the whole thing was weird. Like the Mummy, we just had a Mummy franchise maybe <laughs> less than ten years, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, maybe, le- maybe less. Yeah. We just had that. You throw Tom Cruise in there as the main star, but he's in the mummy and he's not the mummy and he's not like, the mummy. Yeah. So then and also here's another, like if you cross over all these things, all these characters are kind of villains. Yeah. Who's the so good what, guys? Yeah. Who's the bad so guys? What are we, what are we rooting? What are we going to, are they just going to come up upon each other? But then are we wanting to see them interact? Or are they going up against something bigger? Like what? I don't understand form some kind of suicide squad. Oh, right. No. Is each movie going to be like world ending consequence plot? It's going to fucking yeah, and then how do you, suck. And then how do you do that with the Phantom of the Opera? No. And the yeah, Hunchback right. of Notre Dame. And how do you like erase like the cartoon <laughs> and the Andrew Lloyd Webber? Uh, so uh, there's a report from Variety. That's blaming Tom Cruise for a lot of this. They say the star's contract granted him broad creative control with Cruise having input in virtually every step of production from the script to editing to marketing. He bought, brought on two of the film's writers and gave his blessing to the selection of director Alex Kurtzman, an established writer and producer whose only previous directorial credit is the low budget drama People Like Us. So did he just cruised? Uh, he just spooged, cruised all over this, cruised, spooged all over the mummy. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it plays like that. Like, there's, there's definitely scenes. Like, whenever he's on screen, it's definitely like it's got this Tom Cruise tone yeah. to it. The Tom Cruise movie, damn it. Yeah, and it's like you can tell that like some of the lines were definitely like punched up a bit and stuff like that. And I don't even think this opening weekend. I think all of the other mummies made more money opening weekend. Like, it didn't even cr- yeah. break any of those. Uh, records. Who are the names I, they have? They have Cruz. Obviously, they have Cruz. But Javier Bardem is doing. Is he the Wolfman? Frankenstein. Frankenstein. He looks Stein like Frankenstein. And then uh, Johnny Depp is going to do what? The Invisible, Invisible Man. Man. And they're talking to Angelina Jolie for Bride of Frankenstein. Got and it. then uh, Russell Crowe is Jekyll. Jekyll, right? And then he's and, Kurtzman and, is producer on Van Helsing, Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, upcoming. Yeah. Uh, I don't think these names are going to matter anymore. It's not enough to, to save this yeah. if you're going to fucking Tom Cruise this well, up every, all it, the time. It gets even worse. So like the fun thing that I, I think I think I caught this. So there's a scene in the movie where I think there's an Easter egg that it may be in the same universe as the original mon- the Brendan Fraser mummy series. Oh, no. Awesome. What? You yeah. leave those movies Man. alone, Universal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was bad fun. enough when they brought Jet Li in for the last one, but like, let's... <laughs> at least those movies knew what they were and they were kind of trying to yeah, be like exactly. a fun Indiana Jones fucking kind of thing that worked. Uh, John Landis been talking a lot of shit about shared universes lately. He uh, Here's what he has to say about the dark universe. He said, well, John Landis, you know, American Werewolf of London. He directed Thriller for Michael Jackson. He says, first of all, it's not a new idea. If you remember you, with Universal back in the 40s, once they made all their classics, they started cross-pollinating. House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. You know what they used to call those? Monster rallies. And then, of course, one of the great ironies is what was considered... Okay, it's over now, was Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, which is actually a very funny movie and very respectful of the monsters. I think maybe that's one of the problems with Universal's Dark Universe is that it isn't respectful of the monsters. When they want to reinvent and sometimes it works great, 
look at David Cronenberg's The Fly or John Carpenter's The Thing. It can be done. Uh, and I mean, Landis knows a thing about monster movies. He's a big uh, monster movie guy. Um, but man, wow. We'll see. I mean, I, I, they're going to still have to go forward with the fucking all these sequels they announced. It's, it's turning into like a yeah. DC Warner Brothers situation. I think they've got a, a couple years, though, before I think Bride of Frankenstein's the next. Yeah, one. it's so supposed to come out in 2019. What'll what'll yeah. probably happen is they will move forward with at least one more film. But the the leash is a lot shorter on this, and it'll this will probably flame out before anything really awesome gets made or anything. Any of these films really? Get I mean, made. I, it's it's a it's a bad idea. It's, yeah. a, it's a bad idea because they, they're they're not focused on creating. They're, these stories aren't don't have to be world ending. They're they're yeah. small horror film stories. If they went the horror route, maybe yeah, it might have a little bit more legs because they wouldn't have to go with this crazy budget. But they they're trying to blow this up, and it's just it's already a bad it's a bad idea. It was a bad idea from the start. Or just go completely like campy B movie, you know, and 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 bring that back kind of thing. Just choose one thing. What the fuck? Like it sounds like what you said, Malowski. It's a bunch of different movies trying to come yeah. out of this one movie. And I mean, it's it's very much like Amazing Spider-Man Two, which we'll be talking about on uh, our next episode of Podcast with you guys later on. So it'll, I think it'll, it'll make sizzle, its money back sizzle. and and a little bit more, but it's definitely international market. All right, I don't know. I think it's it's so fascinating to see like Tom Cruise, like he's committed to things. He does. He would not make a movie that fails like this, but it still gave him his biggest international opening. It's very strange. Yeah. Uh, okay, guys, last thing before we wrap up, I want to get, I want to turn you, the listener, on to Meridu and Malofsky's podcast. Podcapers, the official podcast of A Place to Hang Your Cape. You guys, how did this podcast start? I want the story of Podcapers. Oh, well, we're going to have to go back a few years thinking about it. It was the uh, second con that you and I went to, the London Film and Comic Con. David? Yeah, I want to say it was, was it 2014? Maybe, tw- no, 2015, 2015. I think it was probably 2015. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years yeah, d- yeah, definitely 2014. And uh, we've been to the con, we'd had a good time, we went to the pub, and you were quite enamored with my voice. Who could blame you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was it was me and our friend um, Neil from uh, T-Pub as well was talking about how you have such a great voice. And you were just like, you should do a podcast. You should do a podcast. You're brilliant. You're amazing. Do a podcast. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe at some point. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. Inside, I was like, I would love to do that. Yes, please. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so it sort of, that was the inception of it all. Mm-hmm. And then, then just uh, not too long ago, actually, was it last year? Just a Come near the end of last year, we just yeah, said the tail end just- of last year. After so it's basically what happened is we had I was um, when uh, ugh, I can talk um, after that <laughs> con. Enough. I had just got words are hard. Job. Words are hard. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're hard. After that con, I just got a new new job, and then I was working on our second calendar uh, last year. So it was still sort of so that took up so much of my time. And as soon as we finished um, the bullying calendar, the one that Imran helped us out with. Oh yeah. Um, we basically started chatting. It was you, me, and Mark, who's also sort of like a one of the other executive producers of the show. I'll say, um, and we sort of just like developed it sort of over the winter, throwing around a lot of different ideas, and then we started recording in what February. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely February, yeah, and uh, we just caught a bunch of episodes all in one go, released them all in one go, and things sort of went out from there. That's awesome. Yeah. How many uh, how many shows you got out now? 16? Right on. Uh, yeah, yeah, 16, yes. Yeah, or 17. 17. Oh, 17? Oh, yes, no. Sleep with 17, <laughs> with 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 17. And what's the what's the format of the show? I mean, Meridu's voice is fantastic. I just it makes me smile just hearing him read the fucking phone book. I love it. Aaron uh, A. Aronson. There you go. <laughs> Where does he live? Uh what how is uh what's the format of the show? You doing news, reviews, interviews? What are you giving the listeners? Yeah, sometimes we do reviews. Most of the time we do basic uh, talking about various geek and nerdy topics each week with a different special guest. Because if it was just me by myself, people would get bored pretty quickly. So David is not on every show. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, oh. it, I wanted to be, but ultimately we decided that it made more sense just for Scott to be the voice of the podcast. And that way, sort of like having a rotating cast. And it would let us have you know, more of the a place singer cape writers come on. And then we've had some uh, uh, comic creator guests as well. And we've actually had so many requests for guests that we are currently booked up from now until December. Nice. Well, Scott, very does, popular. Have a, <laughs> Scott does have a uh, voice for this. So. Yeah, it's very, uh, very and, I, and I've seen and I've seen his face, so he does he definitely fits. <laughs> I'm not allowed to leave the house. <laughs> no, you, now you hear Scott, you think of pod capers, you think of a place to hang your cape, and you know, with your built in audience from the website, I think this is it's a great move. Uh, and much like this uh, is basically what Imran was preaching, like in the early days of our yeah, podcast. Yeah, when I told everyone yeah, to have a, get a podcast, just so great, you should get a podcast. I got a couple of people started podcasts. Daniel Dosker started a podcast. These guys started a podcast. So I hope I was somewhat influential. Uh, I hope, very much I hope so. you took no influence Absolutely. from Imran. On your <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear that I was the impetus for this uh, brilliant idea. No, I mean, it's great. Like, you know, we said on the last episode, there's a, it's a smaller space. If you're running a blog, there's like 2000 blogs for every podcast. So it's a better it's a better ear to voice ear to mouth ratio. Never go ass to mouth. Always go ear to mouth. Uh, but where, where, uh, do you have any fun moments, uh, so far from the podcast that you want to share? Well, there was these rare times when occasionally we go a bit musical. Oh no. Cause I sometimes write these rather loving and touching parody of Disney songs, such classics like be our guest. I've turned into be our captive. <laughs> Never had a friend like me is now. I really, really hate Disney. You get the, uh, you get the theme that I'm I, going I, for. I like that. Very subversive, uh, Disney spoofs. I, anytime you subvert the Disney, I like that. I like it too. It keeps <laughs> me warm at night. So, Malowski, you guys having fun still uh, doing this? Yeah, we're loving it. We um we just relaunched on Patreon as well, uh, using the podcast uh, as part of it. So, you know, it's been um it's been really fun. We've had a uh, you know I've been on I think four or five episodes now, and I'm you know I'm trying to get on as many as I can. It's been a blast. Right on. Scott, what's coming up? Uh, anything exciting coming up in the podcast? Well, of course, we've got our crossover with you guys. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. 
Uh, oh, God, was it? Oh, we got the uh, Place to Hang Your Cape TV Awards. Oh, da, yeah. Da, da. Yeah, we, oh, yeah. yeah. You can still vote, actually. Uh, when this show comes out, you'll still be able to vote for the um, TV Awards to so get those in so that you uh, can force Scott to talk about all the DC shows that he hates. That's going to win. <laughs> Dude, that'll be fun. Uh, listener, I'll put a link in the show notes. They run a great uh, TV awards. Last year, we had David come on and announce the results and fucking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. swept up everything. Uh, now there's more shows this season, but I have a feeling uh, yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. may still pull out a bunch of these categories. What do you think? There's, there, from what I've seen on Twitter, there's definitely the fandoms are sort of uh, arguing a lot over these uh, I've we, seen a lot of supernatural fans come out of the woodwork. Oh, fucking and supernatural, of, and a lot if of we, supergirl fans as well. Yeah. If we've noticed anything doing that show last year with you guys, with you, David, is that people are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> we always knew this to be true. This is oh, a surprise. Yeah. It just reconfirms it. <laughs> yeah. Um, People are dumb. But yeah, and like I said, we have a lot, a lot of uh, really great guests lined up. Um, we have some. One very, very special coming in September, but I'm not going to announce who it is exactly yet. And yeah, literally, like we've got, you know, we're a weekly show and I think we have the next 30 episodes like locked in. Oh, shit. Nice. Crazy. That's the thing. Keeping it going, keeping it consistent. It's a little bit of a juggling act, but uh, it it helps. Consistency, you know, just come out when you come out and uh, make sure there's something there. Well, uh, why do you tell the listeners where they can find all this fun stuff? Well, you can find us on a place to hang your cape. That's www.ap2hyc.com forward slash pod capers. Also on Podbean, iTunes, Weeby Geeks and the Tangent Bound Network. Basically go on Google and type in pod capers. You'll find us. <laughs> right on you're gonna fill up your playlist with the great geek podcast like ours like pod capers jim mcpike was saying last week like he's enjoying writing for you guys and he 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 drove here from wisconsin listening to jock and nerd and pod capers and then he was on jock and nerd and he drove home listening to jock and nerd uh it was a pretty meta experience for him he tweeted to us so that's fun check out pod I'm capers glad we could, i'm glad we could, yeah check out pod capers for sure and i'm glad that the listeners had to go through us casturbating for the last five minutes. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so awesome. We do these podcasts. Oh, we're so cool. Hey, got look, Jimmy you lined you, up for the show as well. You got what? Say that again. You got Jimmy lined up for pod capers. Oh, so. you got oh, Jimmy nice. lined up uh, for pod capers. That's great. He knows his history. Yeah. yeah. He knows a lot. Uh, look, this is word of mouth is how you got to spread the independent podcast. We don't have networks. We don't have fucking NPR money. Just tell a friend, tell everyone. If you like it, leave a review, post it. Same with our show, their show. Uh, it's how we're going to grow the fucking geekery. It's the only way. Uh, I'll show you yeah. some growth, son of a bitch. You grow, you grow your geekery your way. I grow my geekery <laughs> my way. And with that, well, that's great, guys. Check out Pod Capers. That's it for this show. Uh, minus all the technical fuck ups that I'm going to cut out. That listener, you have no idea what we just went through. <laughs> yeah, you don't so, know what we just went through to put the this show out. The commitment, the commitment we show to our fans. <laughs> We is do unlike it for any other. you. That's you guys, right. We do it for you because you guys all suck and live with your mom at your home. So. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> 
Uh, and with that, look, if you want to hear more of dumb, my dumbass, check out Sketching Comedy and Trivia Geeks podcast. You'll also hear Meridu on Trivia Geeks where he stays up till four in the morning drinking Scottish uh, tea with crack in it to keep him awake or something. I don't know what it is. You have some the weird... The secret group. ingredient is more crack. Ah, I see. It's the crack that's uh, that really does the trick. Subscribe to the show wherever. Leave, leave us a review right in. But most importantly, listener, tell a friend, spread the geekery, uh, get everyone, get, get everyone on board this geek train and uh, life will be great and hilarious. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out the Jock and Nerd podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. We'll catch you next time. We're going to do pod capers now. Mm-hmm.